we've said two things kind of in sync together. Yes. Uh, neither of them being the intro. All right. But of course. All right. <laughs> Since 2005, Rick Riordan has been responsible for getting an entire generation interested in the weird, wonderful world of ancient mythologies, from the utter bullshit that is the Greek god family tree to the fact that Thor once cross-dressed to steal his hammer back from its capture. This week, we're diving deep into this world. Eli's emo enough to be a child of Hades, Caroline is ready and willing to write her dissertation on why exactly Persephone is a top, and both are total nerds. Uh, I see Caroline has decided it's a good time to enact her revenge on me for what I did last week while she was trying to read the intro. Yeah, this time I dabbed. Um, nice. Reciprocal friendship. Yeah. That's what it, we've got going. It runs both ways. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. All right. So my name is Eli, my pronouns are they, them, theirs. My name is Caroline, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. Mm, and it's another episode of Hey Nerd, lucky Ooh. number seven. Yeah. Did we do three, two, one, Hey Nerd? We didn't. That's fine. We did. <laughs> oh, we can do it now. <laughs> All right. Three, three two, two, one, one Hey Nerd. Nerd. We done did do this intro wrong, but that's fine. That's okay. That's fine. Yeah. All right. Um, I guess everything's out of whack, but we've arrived at the Brendan question time, which I guess we've Ooh. already kind of answered for me, but mm. um, this week's Brendan question is, if you were a Greek god, which one would you be? So, take it away. Uh, I think I would probably, like, ideally, Athena, obviously. <laughs> I think realistically, and this is not necessarily a downgrade in my opinion, uh, Hestia, just because she's like chilling and vibing in there like mm -hmm. she's just there to make sure like the hearth is warm and shit and i think that's really cute uh so yeah i don't think i'd be like butting heads with aries constantly even though i do butt heads with an aries constantly um <laughs> but uh, <laughs> i'm sorry to all of the listeners that you just had to hear me make that noise but mm -hmm. caroline had to hear it closer because that mic is right on my neck so yeah um but yeah, I don't think I would necessarily be like, I'm god of strategy. I'm not very good at strategy, but I think I would be good at just kind of making sure that everyone at the party is comfy. Like, Hestia is the kind of god who I think would, like, be walking around making sure everyone has enough snacks uh, mm. at any given party. And I think that's really nice of her. Like, she'd stay behind and help clean up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, you have both Athena and Hestia vibes, but I can see why Hestia might be a little bit more accurate, mm -hmm. or at least... I don't know, in the perception of gods are how we perceive them, you're probably perceived more as, like, a Hestia-type character. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say- I'm a Hestia sun, Athena rising. <laughs> um, yeah. I would say- I guess- okay, so the, the answer is, I guess, maybe not so much now, because I'm wearing, like, light gray and blue, but, um, mm. I think I have the vibes that I could pull off Hades- Mm -hmm. I, every time we're like, what cosmic power is associated with Eli? The answer is always death. I give off real big death vibes. I write about death a lot. Um, mm -hmm. you know, me and death, we're just, we're, we're hanging out. I guess it would make me actually Thanatos instead yeah. of Hades. But, is you he know, a god? Is he, or is he just not in the pantheon? Thanatos is a god. He's just not like one of the, he's not an Olympian and he's not in, like, the class of people who are, like, gods of things. He's a god mm. in that he's, like, the physical embodiment of death. Mm. Um, so I think the real answer is probably Thanatos, but no one knows who that is unless you're like, I got really into Percy Jackson, and then I kept mm -hmm. reading. 
Um, so Hades is probably the answer that I should say, and it's the answer I'm going to say. You sound like you want to say something else, though, and I do want to encourage you to do well, that as I well. I think the actual want. answer is Thanatos, because that's the character who I mm. keep writing into my stories. Like, I've written about... <laughs> I think I wrote three different plays sophomore year that involved <laughs> Thanatos as a character, or a character named Thanatos, who was just a replacement for, like, death... And Thanatos just keep working their way into my writing, and I keep being like, you can't keep showing up here because I need to write about something other than you. And then he's like, no, 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 it's me, it's me, full all the time. Um, so yeah. Oh, yeah, I yeah, I like giving characters death powers, um, and that's just Thanatos, baby. That is just Thanatos, really. Yeah. Um... I guess, dovetailing into our weekly anecdote, the most thing I related to that that I can think of is, I made up a and d character just for funsies, because uh, I was like, hmm, what if my character for this campaign does die, because that would suck, what if I just made a whole new one that I can do a different voice for, and then I ended up making, I think, the edgiest character I've written since sixth grade, um, Edgelord which is saying Edgelord. a lot. It is, she is so edgy and emo, and she I love her so, so much. She's just, <laughs> like, I was laughing, like, thinking about her backstory because it's just so dark and angsty yeah i read it and i was like <laughs> so wow funny. this sounds like something you'd stumble across on a wattpad in I like know. the middle of the night yeah yeah but it was fun though because it's just like it's so far off what i normally write because i don't normally write very edgy characters uh mm -hmm. and so yeah i've had before this i made two D, &D characters and one of them uh is just a little plant gay druid uh who's very kind of shy and then the other one is a hillbilly uh, ranger who has mm -hmm. a pet boar named Quincy Haunches, and then this one is like Kalishtar, soul knife, half soul knife rogue with a haunted one background, mm -hmm. which is just I just went through things that had the word haunted in the description and was like that I want to do that. <laughs> and then... Yeah, Caroline made a haunted house, but it's a person. Uh -huh. Um, and it's the best thing ever. And then that prom- that's one of my next week, is that Caroline sent me this character pitch, and I was like, cool. And then I stopped for texting Caroline for half an hour, during mm -hmm. which time I went through the D&D wiki dot, and I just was like, hmm, what's a whole party of, like, death-positive <laughs> classes? Uh, which included my personal favorite, um, or a D&D class that I want to play but I haven't gotten the opportunity to, which is Way of the Long Death Monks. Uh, cause one of the things that they can do is just straight up whenever they kill someone, or even just whenever someone dies near them, they get hit points. It that really do would be unstoppable if they were also next to Oristine for any yes. given one of our sessions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so dark, but so true. Um, yeah, <laughs> I just looked up- yo-yoing. <laughs> if they come back to life, do they lose that HP, or do they keep it? Cause then I feel like we could send Oristine into a fight, and this monk would- <laughs> solid like oh uh, i think that they keep it i think that it's temp hp so it gets reduced and then you can die someone can die near you again and that temp hp comes back um <laughs> yeah Orstein, just go in there and be yourself will be good for the rest of the session <laughs> yeah no one of the characters in the current dimension 20 campaign is a way of the long death monk and that's mm. really fun to watch um but yeah i looked up a bunch of death positive classes. And then, now that we're talking about, like, death-positive things, I just remembered another anecdote I have, which mm -hmm. is, uh, this morning, and I, I sat down and I played the game A Mortician's Tale, which is, mm -hmm. like, a- I think it's a small indie game, it's about 45 mm -hmm. minutes long, but it's about, like, being a mortician, and it's a death-positive game, and it's very cute. Well, not cute, 
Like, the animation is cute, the story is about death, so I hesitate to call that cute. Um, but it is, like, this very beautiful game that's very much about, like, being respectful for the dead, uh, and it talks in it a lot about, like, you don't have to look at the parts it's talking about, but it talks about, like, how you should, like, the way in which you should prioritize the family of the dead over, like, economics and the ways that you should treat, um, a queer person who has died, and there's, like, Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of, like, very good messages about, like, death positivity and environmentalism and death and the queer community and death. Um, and so it was a very fun game, uh, and I was sad that it was only 45 minutes long, because yeah. I could have played that game for, like, years, but... <laughs> Aww. You know... That does sound like a really sweet game. That's it's good. It's just a little, yeah, I, little bite. Yeah, I, I was... Just the, the term death positive just kind of struck me out of nowhere. Because, um, <laughs> <laughs> like, just typically the stuff that I... The only phrase I have with, like, positive appended to the end of it is sex positive, and I find it very funny that, like, just... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah, I, I want to make it clear the game was not pro-anyone dying, but it yeah. was, like, pro-respecting yeah. the process of death and, like, the yeah. process of grief. Because um, mm-hmm. death-positive could also describe, like, Bloodborne, which is a very death-positive game. <laughs> it's very much forcing you to go kill things. Um, yeah. But I would not say that Bloodborne and A Mortician's Tale were similar games in any yeah. respect. Yeah, and it's just, like, because sex positivity is often associated with feminism, and so I'm just imagining, like, a really death-positive feminist, and I'm not sure how that plays into feminism, but I- that'd be cute. <laughs> that'd be fun. Yeah. I've decided that my edgy character is now a death-positive feminist. Um, okay. That's- well, I think she was already a death-positive yeah, feminist, but, you probably. know. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Alright. That's how it goes sometimes. So I guess now we- I think- is are we all anecdoted- anecdoted out um i think we're all anecdoted out until other anecdotes come up later but you know all right as as anecdotes do sometimes they just appear and you gotta you gotta accept them for what they are yeah because anecdotes you know sometimes they just happen and you tell them because it's life is just a collection of kind of loosely related anecdotes when you think about it uh time for the graceless segue (laughs) i think it is the, the ripe time for the graceless segue. Make a philosophical statement and then backflip into this week's topic. Yeah, um, just kind of zoom on over. Mm-hmm. Which is not death, you know. I think we may have gone too far into death. We, you know, we kind of got stuck not. in the underworld for a minute. We did yeah. kind of eat like maybe one sixteenth of a little pomegranate seed, and we just mm-hmm. kind of had to dwell there yeah. for a minute. For a minute, uh, and now we're back. We're back, baby. Mm-hmm. It's it's the the myth episode, mm-hmm. if that was not obvious by everything that we said in the first couple minutes of this podcast. Yeah! Yeah. Um, so I guess, yeah, like, could you just start with our own little personal history with mythology and how we got into it kind of separately? Because well, I think they're similar, but, you know. Well, maybe. Um, okay, as most things in my life, this all comes back to my dad. Uh... <laughs> Um, because my dad, and I don't know if you would call them myths, I think that they're in, like, a weird middle place. My dad really likes Arthurian legends. Ah. Mm-hmm. Um, he's super into Arthurian legends, and he's also super into Norse mythology. And mm-hmm. this didn't come up in my childhood, like, he didn't tell me about these things or anything. I didn't, there was no introduction to Norse mythology from my dad, um, But it did mean that when I was starting to get into mythology as, like, a person who was reading Harry Potter, not Harry Potter, what am I talking about? Who's reading Percy Jackson, 
uh, as I was starting to get into mythologies, my dad was like, oh yes, my child also has the myth brain, and then got me a bunch of books on Greek mythology. Like, mm-hmm. um, I brought one of them because I thought maybe I could look stuff up, but it's like the Tales of the Greek Heroes, the um, mm. Puffin Classics like collection, and so he just bought me a bunch of other books on Greek mythology, uh, but the way that I got into it is I started reading Percy Jackson, I think in second grade. Like, mm-hmm. I finished Harry Potter after my two-year, like, w- weird way I read Harry Potter. Um, and then I was like, well, I'm done with that. What am I going to read now? And Percy Jackson was... It had been coming out for about, I think... We would have been seven... So it had been coming out for about five years at that point. Um, and so I just started reading the Percy Jackson books. Like you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I think mine is just kind of more like homeschool things. Uh, and we just had a book on Greek myths, and we read those a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we also had like a Shakespeare for kids things that was maybe like three scenes from each Shakespeare play or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we would just read about uh, you know Greek myths and Greek legends as part of homeschooling thing, just as like a thing to do. Um, and then my brother got into Percy Jackson. Uh, at that point, he had his own room, so I believe he probably would have had to be about, like, yeah, we probably would have also been around seven, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he was at karate class for, like, two hours on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I would just <laughs> sneak into his room and take the books and then read them and put them back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is how I read Percy Jackson, mostly. I think I kind of fell off after, like, the main big series finished. Um, but yeah, I think mm-hmm. there's just something very appealing to, like, a kid or just, like, people in general about, like, oh, here's a way you can categorize people by, like, kind of affinities and abilities and stuff, and wouldn't that be neat? Because, um, mm-hmm. you know, that it's easier to understand people when you can put them into a box, and then, like, mm. it's like, oh, hey, this box is for the kids who like water, and then you're in, like, Poseidon's house or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back, I find it very funny that the rule, like, oh, the big three can't have kids, and I was like, you mean to tell me that Zeus did not fuck except that one time because, quote, you told him not to. Yeah, Zeus had (laughs) sex twice in 60 years, which is the biggest lie Percy Jackson ever told anyone. Yeah, I was like, no, that man is horny. (laughs) Yeah. That was It's against the rules for Zeus to fuck. When has that ever stopped (laughs) Zeus from fucking? I think that makes Zeus even hornier. Historically. Quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. I think when he got married to Hera, he was suddenly like, oh shit, now I gotta go have sex with all the things and all the people. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I mean, he was already... It's very unclear when they got married. Presumably mm-hmm. he had been having sex before that, and he kept having sex after that, and... Zeus once... has fucked before, Zeus <laughs> will fuck again. Yes. <laughs> it's like the... <laughs> Sorry, the way that you said that sent me viscerally back to, like, church, because... Yep. <laughs> I know. Yep. Christ has come, Christ has risen, Christ, Christ will, will come, come again. again. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. Then my brain said Zeus will come again, and I was like, well, I'm just gonna <laughs> not... So we're reflecting exist. on middle school in more ways than one as mm-hmm. we go down this wonderful journey of I mean, I reflection. never escaped dumb sex jokes. We yeah. we don't have to pretend that I did. I pretend that I'm better than them, but really I'm not. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, because you laugh at all of my bad sex jokes. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I come up with ones. I just don't say them out loud uh, a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. 
Because typically people can figure out what I'm giggling about if I start mm-hmm. giggling, and I'm just like, I'm not going to say it because we know what I'm thinking. Yep. Um, but yeah, so Greek myths are cool. Uh, and then I think overly sarcastic productions on YouTube also kind of helped mm-hmm. foster the love of myths just because they have really neat videos about myths all the time. Uh, and it's a really fun way to kind of digest those and, like, get through a bunch of history and context and, like, sarcastic commentary on Greek gods, which is mm-hmm. super fun. I'm trying to remember because I also had, like, another book thing that I read that I'm not mm-hmm. going to be able to find. Um, but it, like, further cemented my interest in Greek gods and stuff because it would take them and then it would treat them like, oh, it was the Mythlopedia books. Um, mm. I don't know if you ever had these, but they would be, like, talking about the Greek gods kind of the way that, like, celebrity magazines talk about celebrities. Um, and it was Love a very it. funny series to, like, read mm-hmm. through just because it was talking about the gods in, like, an informative way, but it was also being, like, hey, if these people would real were real, they would be the most dramatic, like, Kardashian-level mm-hmm. bull uh, of all time. And so it was very fun to, like, read books that kind of treated them like that uh, instead of... Mm-hmm. Which is in line with Percy Jackson, which talks about the gods, but doesn't really revere the gods. Because I feel like a mm-hmm. lot of Greek mythology, it's like, oh, the gods. And then we've gotten to the point now where everyone's like, yeah, screw them. They're they're bad. They're bad. Yeah. They're, they don't make good decisions. They have far too much sex and don't pay child support, um, mm-hmm. which is the best take that has been taken yeah. on the gods in a long time, I yeah. think. I'm just remembering now, it wasn't quite that, like, it wasn't quite Mythopedia, but I did have, we were also, again, part of the homeschooling thing, had, like, educational magazines from, like, Cobblestone Publishing, and mm-hmm. there was one, at least one called Muse, and that was the mm-hmm. whole thing, and they would just have, like, th- some gods or, like, figures from various mythologies just kind of, like, as little cartoon characters in the margins, like, making comments and, like, acting as kind of people who were running the magazine or in charge of it, um, and that was, I think, also a way to, like, kind of kind of humanize the gods a little bit more or, mm-hmm. like, make them more accessible and make me want to learn more about them. Uh, and then I'm just now remembering, like, we had uh, a neighborhood boy who has since moved away, but lived kind of close by, was very, his family was very worldly, uh, and they had, a, they got a little boxer dog at some point, and they named him Balder after the Norse god of, I think, just happiness and general good things, mm-hmm. uh, who I think ended up getting murked. Well, he's because I, th- of Loki. I believe that his death is the reason why Loki yeah. then got buried underground uh, with the poison dripping on his face forever. Um, mm-hmm. You know, ethics. Well, to be fair, he did kind of convince yeah. a blind person to shoot his brother with mm-hmm. an arrow. So yeah, I you it's know very fun. Yeah, because the boxer was a kind of happy dog, and they're like, "Oh, Norse god of happiness." I didn't quite get that reference until I heard about the myth of. Balder later, and I was like, oh, that's why. Mm-hmm. Um, and whenever they introduced the poor dog, people would always be like, oh, Boulder? It's like, no, Balder. Um, <laughs> like you know, like the, the incredibly god. obscure Norse god. <laughs> yeah, how dare you not know this very background piece of Norse mythology? Mm-hmm. Yes. I do have to say, and this is something that I find funny, um, Rick Riordan did, he really did write a series about Norse mythology, but that's not what got me into Norse mythology. Um, mm. It was my main man, Neil Gaiman, and his book, uh, American Gods, which talks about a lot of different gods, and I haven't mm-hmm. done, like, the proper amount of research into them, and I acknowledge that, but the main, one of the main characters is Mr. Wednesday, who is mm-hmm. Odin, like, as soon yeah. as I read that, I was like, dang, that really do be Odin, though, 
Um, mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be a reveal, but I was like, well, that's not... If you if you know anything yeah, about it's why it's called name. Wednesday... It's just his name! It's just his name! That's that's how it goes. Odin's Day. Which, you know, then turned into a W. Because pronunciation changes. Um, yeah. Yeah, but it was like... That book talks a lot about the Norse gods, and Neil Gaiman's written a lot about Norse gods, and I was like, wow, I might as well get into Norse gods, and then I read the Magnus J series, and I was like, ah. hmm I see that we are vibing now. Yeah. I think my brother had most of, like, Reardon's books. Um, I think we also read, like, the first bit of the Egyptian one, mm-hmm. but yeah, looking back, I'm like, why were those, why were the Egyptian kid white? They were white. Well- They had red hair. No, that's oh, actually wait. that's not true. Sadie, it's be, they're they're mixed race. Their mom is white, and their dad is um, I believe that their dad is from Egypt, so he like okay. um Northern African black. Okay. Uh, so but one of the interesting things about that that I like now I appreciate even more is um that Carter appear Carter looks black, and Sadie mm-hmm. is white passing. Um, mm-hmm. And so, oh, like, throughout the books, it's continuously, they're questioned on the fact that they are full siblings mm-hmm. because they don't look the same. But yeah, mm-hmm. Sadie is white passing because she looks more like their mom, and okay. Carter is not white passing because he looks, like, he's black and he looks more like their dad. Mm-hmm. All right, that makes sense. The main thing I remember from that is they talked about, like, Egyptian pillows or something, which don't sound very comfortable at all, but I've always no. been curious to try. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. like, why not? Like, when I was visiting China, the mattresses were super firm because they're like, it's better for your back. And, like, I did kind of feel like I was sleeping better. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Unconventional methods of sleeping. Maybe we in the West are just kind of wimps. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I've had the same mattress for, like, 12 years now. So. Same. I can't tell if it's a good or bad mattress. It's just the mattress that I have. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it's, I don't know. I think that. Maybe it's just me, but, like, the older I get and the more I go back and read myths, I'm like, wow, this is just weird. Like, Mm -hmm. this is, it's, they're interesting, but it's also very fun to read them and be like, oh, yeah, I'm a different person than I was when I first read this because I have questions now that I definitely did not have then. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, when you're younger, I think you read things and you just are like, yeah, that makes sense. Because you don't know enough about the world to really question it. People just kind of tell you things and you're like, all right, I guess that's the way things are. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but then you go back and you're like, it, things become funnier, but they also become weirder. Mm-hmm. Like, it was it was when I first read, I believe it's the third book um, of Heroes of Olympus, they encounter Medusa's other child, I believe? Because, like, there's Pegasus, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I believe it is Medusa, but, like, Woman, human woman cursed to have snake heads for hair plus God equals horse with wings. Because Poseidon, <laughs> wasn't Poseidon the one who, like, got they, down with Medusa in front of Athena's temple and then Athena showed up and was like, fuck you, uh, and then Well, Gorgon? yeah. Yes, that's why she's a Gorgon is because Poseidon, it wasn't in front of her temple. I believe that they had sex inside her temple. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know if that's always how they tell it, but in some stories they'll be like, yeah, they had sex in her temple, and I was like, well, why would you, what, you get off on desecrating other gods' sacred, well, I guess you do, clearly, but, um, (laughs) yeah, so that's why, that's why Medusa's a Gorgon. Poseidon is a god of horses, but, so, his kid can just be horse man with, no, just horse with wings, but then, 
Pegasus has a twin who's a human person. And when I first encountered this story, maybe five years ago, I was like, yeah, sure, that might as well be true. Uh, and then I w recently went back and was rereading that. Um, and I was like, yeah, no, what? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> yeah, mean... Pegasus has a twin named Cryosaur, who is for all intents and purposes just like a dude, apparently. Um, so yeah, imagine you, co you, you come out and your brother's a horse. <laughs> And you're just a person. And I'm more I'm more sympathetic to Medusa than ever. Jesus Christ! <laughs> ah! No, imagine if like the human one came out first, and she's like, "Oh, thank God, nothing's like too off about this pregnancy." And then the fucking whore. Oh God, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, and this is also this is another thing that's true. They weren't born normally. Of course they weren't. They're Greek gods, and the Greeks. Yeah, they were just born had to make birth stories interesting. When Perseus beheaded Medusa, mm -hmm. Pegasus and Chrysor came out of her neck stump. They were just chilling. They were. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, these are the same people who were like, "Oh, hysteria happens when your womb wanders around your body too much because of bad smells." So, like, yeah, I believe that they could be like, yeah. <laughs> Kids come out the neck. <laughs> That's the thing that the, the womb migrates. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that's that's like that's one of those stories where I was like, at one point, sure, this might as well be true, and then now I'm looking, I look back at it, and I'm like, no, what? We. Oh man. I was about to say we'd love to see it, but no, we really don't. Um, we just have more questions than answers. Yeah, I feel like this is going to spark yet another um, cursed piece of art from Ileana. Mm -hmm. uh, not that I'm asking for any, but I'm just kind of observing it's a thing that might happen. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not sure I'm looking forward to that no. uh, as a human being. I am. Um, I really appreciated the cursed art. I mean, like, it's very good cursed art, but it's also just like, oh no. It it is it is cursed, very cursed. Yeah. Uh, for reference, just in case you haven't mentioned this, Ileana fully drew uh, the reverse min uh, reverse centaur. I loved it. it. <sighs> Caroline did not love it, but I loved it. I mean, just gazing upon it makes me feel like I've crossed some boundary. I need uh, to go check something so you can monologue. Oh great. Okay. Well, <laughs> Eli's abandoned me. Um. Hmm, what can I talk about while well, Eli's not here? What's well, something embarrassing that Eli has done recently that I can make fun of? Hmm. Uh, recently we were playing some Jackbox games, uh, and we were playing Monster Seeking Monster, which is like a monster dating game, uh, and it turns out, y'all, Eli's a furry? Like, straight up just a furry. Uh, cause they went after, they dated a werewolf, and then they had the audacity to ask me out, and I was like, fuck no, you're a furry. Oh, they're back, I'm gonna stop talking about this, and they can discover this while editing. Um, so yeah. Ah! You're, you're, you're back, you returned. I'm, I am back. I've come, okay. returned from my front door, where Pepper Ooh. was barking. Ah, was he yelling? Yeah, he wanted us to know that someone had dropped something off, but the, oh. the doorbell had already told me that. So, you know, extra <laughs> insurance. He's your little Kerberos, or Cerberus, yes. however the fuck you pronounce that. Greek names are weird. I mean, I think 
it's been so long since an actual person, like, from ancient Greece walked the earth that uh, I don't think it matters anymore. <laughs> yeah. No one's gonna be like, um, actually, as an expert, because I lived there, we're all, it's just guesswork. Yeah, I yeah. guess so. I do really like the, I say Cerberus, and I do really like the Cerberus story. Or not even the Cerberus story, I just like the idea of a dog with three heads. <laughs> yeah. Good, yeah. good boy. Good boy! Good boy. Three brain, good boy. Is it, or is it three boy, one brain? I don't know. I don't think that the... I do not think that the Greeks had that much of a concept of, like, how minds worked to think, like, would something with three heads have three brains? Um, I There was, like, a concept of thought and stuff, but I don't know if they had, like, a concept of your brain is the place where all the thinking happens. Mm. Maybe they did. Well, they also had, like, a bunch of philosophers, so maybe they had that concept, but I don't know if that ever really carried across into their myths. I reiterate my point about what they thought about the womb to kind of demonstrate. They, mm, mm -hmm. Medical knowledge, not great, especially as pertains to women. Yeah. That's, that's true for a lot of history, and even today. Mm-hmm. It's great. We it's love... It's fun. We love living in patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Uh... Yeah. Oh, I guess, final point on my interactions with Miss, I did kind of fully write that uh, 10-minute play you did. About, about the gods, about mm -hmm. Hades and Persephone specifically, which is why I'm prepared to argue that Persephone is a top. Because mm -hmm. um, Hades, in my opinion, as someone who has not spent any significant amount of time studying Greek myths, nor any interest in any future archaeological endeavors... Um, Hades is just a guy with, like, a stable job mm -hmm. and his own place away from all the other bullshit of the Kardashian Olympians. Yeah. And a three-headed dog. Mm hmm And he's not really interested in your shit. Yeah. Um, he's not even responsible for death, as we covered. That is Thanatos. He's just a guy who, like, occasionally comes up with, honestly, pretty simple instructions for when people want to, like, have people not be dead. Mm -hmm. Like... <laughs> Yeah, he he doesn't, his quests are pretty straightforward. It's like, hey, you want your wife to come back to life? Just don't look back when you're walking out of the underworld. Yeah, like, I'm and not even Orpheus supposed failed. to really let you in here. You're still alive, so, like, don't look <laughs> don't. over your shoulder, bro. Just, like, Orpheus could have played Marco Polo to check mm -hmm. if Eurydice was still there, and he didn't. And he did <sighs> Yeah. He could have just been like, babe, you there? No, he's like, I gotta look. I gotta see. I gotta see. <sighs> and then he played a liar and got ripped to death by the maniads. Yeah. And I feel like uh, just anyone who's like, yeah, my mom is like, you know, all-powerful goddess of grain and shit, but also, fuck her rules. Um, and just like, goes off to do whatever the fuck she wants. She's an independent lady, Persephone mm -hmm. is. Uh, so yeah, I wrote a play about uh, kind of a modern day take on Hades and Persephone and what they would do if Demeter and Hera, respectively, visited them. Mm -hmm. um, it was There were a lot of, like, very specific Greek mythology jokes in there. Mm -hmm. uh, it was very fun to write. It was. It was very fun to read. I don't know why I said it was. Like, I know it was fun to write. I helped with one joke in that whole yeah. thing. Well, you um, helped me retcon the myth of how they met. Uh, how yeah, Hades that's and true. Because I was like, mm, kidnapping is not a great way to start off a marriage. Yeah. Um... So then you were like, you had your great idea and fixed the myth, which is mm -hmm. good. Yes. 
the great idea for anyone wondering is, I don't remember if it was that Cerberus ran off or that, like, yeah, yeah it was Cerberus ran off and then Hades emerges from the underworld to ask who stole his dog because, you know, um, I, I feel like I have a spiritual connection to Hades and I really like my dogs and mm-hmm. I feel like if I had a, the only three-headed dog in the world, I would be concerned if he just yeah. randomly went missing. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and that's how they met, and I think th- I think that that's a much better interpretation than the various kidnapping mythologies that yeah. have happened. So specifically what happened was Hades emerges and is like, who the fuck stole my dog? And then sees Persephone and her crew just kind of vibing and, like, playing around with Cerberus, and then he kind of, like, immediately just gets flustered, which is mm-hmm. also why I think Hades is the bottom, is just because of our entirely rewritten, like, <laughs> original retcon. Yeah, Hades may... Original mythology Hades, who knows? My interpretation of Hades, definitely a bottom. <laughs> um, on this, we both agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is so great. I just love that for him. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's just kind of like Hades and Persephone being kind of equitable little problem solvers and whatnot, and just kind of mm-hmm. dealing with their in-laws. Because uh, I think it's just, yeah, myth is malleable, and I think that I should be able to repurpose it for my own purposes, however I see fit. Uh, I mean, yeah, myth should always be value- malleable. What am I- I said yeah. valuable. Because it's, like, guess... the whole point is, like, they change, and I think mm-hmm. people get caught up in being like, ah, we have to record everything from, like, oral storytelling, or we have to, like, put down all these versions of myths, and, like, the fact that there are so many versions kind of prove, like, they're yeah. not meant to be put down on paper. They're not meant mm-hmm. to really be, like, stored in that way. And I'm glad that they are put down on paper so we can kind of, like, connect to it and, you know, learn about them, but also it's just, like... This is one of many constantly yeah. changing, like, dynamic, living, breathing aspects of humanity. Mm-hmm. I uh, think, the, yeah. yeah, I think that when, I don't know, I, I get the idea, like, behind when saying, like, this is the actual myth and this is a reinterpretation, but um, I also think that it's true that, like, myths are probably something where just because it's a reinterpretation doesn't mean it should be discounted. Mm-hmm. Like, one of my favorite mythic reinterpretations that I encountered in a book that's not about mythology, um, but is, like, a really good, interesting book, is... I wrote a whole paper on this, so Caroline has heard this feel probably mm-hmm. five or ten times. Um, but it's in House of Leaves, there's this reinterpretation of the Minotaur story, which has mm-hmm. always been that, like... I believe maybe Her- one of the gods got mad at King Midas and was like, I'm mad at you. So what I'm going to do is make your wife fuck a bull, because that's equitable <laughs> treatment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Queen Pasiphae supposedly had sex with a bull, uh, and then the Minotaur was born. But this reinterpretation said that that's not, in fact, what happened, but that um, just the Minotaur, whose name I think might have also been Theseus. He had he has like a name that's not the Minotaur. Um, mm-hmm. But it, this interpretation was like the Minotaur wasn't actually a like, half bull, half man. He was just a person born with physical disfigurements, and mm-hmm. King Midas couldn't, like, couldn't bear that. Um, because, you know, people be shallow sometimes. Uh, and so he made up the story that his wife had sex with a bull to hide, like, the shame of having, um, a, having a child that was physically disfigured. Uh, and then that interpretation went on to become a story where the person elaborated on that to say later in life King Midas reconnects with his son and like begins to see him as an actual person and not just a source of shame uh and then so that was like really beautiful but I do think it's interesting to say like maybe all these stories are in fact just about people who don't fit in 
um, mm-hmm. which I think is always a very interesting way to look at monsters, is, like, take away that, like, monstrousness that makes them inherently evil and be like, what if this character is just, like, a person who is misunderstood or a person who has something that they can't control that makes their life more difficult? That is way better than Phantom of the Opera. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like, he's ugly, we have to hide him, and then he ends up doing murder because yeah. that's how... You respond to that. He's also mm-hmm. really good at architecture in the original book, which I find very funny. <laughs> and he ha- there's so much about so much about the original Phantom of the Opera book is so fucking whack. Uh, he spends time in Persia. Uh, there's a whole character who's just called the Persian who just chills out uh, and does stuff in the original book that's completely cut from the musical and most of the reinterpretations. And it's just is whack, bro. Um, it be like yeah. that sometimes. Yeah, Eric who. The Phantom's name is Eric with a K because he's of Scandinavian descent. Uh, just has a, like, torture chamber in his apartments, which are in the basement of the opera house that were originally mm-hmm. used as, like, stables for live horses. Uh, and this torture chamber consists of, I believe, a fake tree with a noose hanging from it, uh, and it's a room of mirrors, and then he turns up the heat so that you it, you cook to death, uh, or you hang yourself before you get there. And it's kind of dark, and Christine sees this and freaks out, because, like, why the fuck not? Kind of like, dark, oh, but it's very dark. Yeah. It's kind of like a trashy, edgy book, like, in its <laughs> original form. It's It was originally, like, a serialized novella, and it's... Um... <laughs> it sounds like it should have stayed as a serialized novella. That sounds so much more just, like... Yeah, I mean, like, good. Phantom of the Opera, the musical, I owe a debt. I, I, I do owe some part of my personality, too. But mm. it's just very funny, because then... At some point, he, like, just gets remorseful about, like, keeping Christine tied up, and he's like, I'm sorry, I'll let you go, and then, you know, she goes. Um, yeah. But, yeah. I, as know. she should. Yeah. When I was in seventh grade and watched Fan of the Opera, like, 25th anniversary edition on Netflix for the first time, I was like, hmm, I wonder if I find the Phantom attractive. And the answer is no. I just <laughs> wanted to play the Phantom, because I find the idea of walking around in a very fancy suit and mask and, like, hat and stuff, and then, like, falling in love with a pretty lady, very appealing. Mm. Um, so yeah, fun things about growing up lesbian. Did not realize that I just had fashion envy, uh, <laughs> instead of a crush. <laughs> you just wanted to be the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. And then this was also repeated for, uh, Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, because I was like, damn. Playing- oh god, what's his face? Oh no. Oh no, I've forgotten. It's not Natasha or Pierre, before you ask. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say, is it Pierre? And then- but I knew that that wasn't gonna be the answer. <laughs> no, it's not Pierre, fuck. What's his face? I will remember it someday. He's the, uh... Helene's brother. Mmm. Not Dolikov. Anatole! That's his face! There we go. Mm. Playing Anatole would be fun, because, again, it's just him being a fuckboy for, like, an hour and a half, and I want to wear a fancy suit and do that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, valid. second, Second date, he literally just goes up to her, and he's like, I know that like, how can I help being in love with you? Like, you're so great, and, like, I love you. And it's like, damn, you've known her how many days? Uh, it's very fun. And he walks in, and, like, his first scene, he's just, like, people notice him because he enters the opera late, and mm-hmm. also because he has spurs that are just kind of jangling. Because <laughs> I guess it's a thing fancy Russian people did. I don't know. But, yeah. Well, okay. Spurs... I'm thinking of spurs like the things you put on your boots to uh-huh. make a horse go fast. Uh-huh. So you just had so. that. Okay. I think so, yeah. Wild. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's very funny. Um, mm-hmm. I'm always 
for cowboy fashions is what I will say. <laughs> uh, um, damn. Yeah, I mean, my cowboy boots are like right there. They're within eyeshot right now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because I'm a, I'm a real southern southern lad. Uh, mm-hmm. You're a real cowpoke. Yep. No, I was gonna say. Well, I think I've I write a lot about mythological figures. I don't know why. I don't know why I was like, you know, the thing that I'm gonna get obsessed with in my writing is mythological figures, and no one can take this away from me. Um, mm-hmm. But I I did do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've realized that I consistently just put trans narratives on top of like mythological narratives, and it, it just happens all the time. Uh, two primary examples I have of this are, I think freshman year, we were writing things where we were reinterpreting myths, um, mm-hmm. and I took the myth of Psyche, and I was like, cool, what if she just straight up didn't have a love interest, and this was instead, um, yeah, it was a myth of Psyche and Eros, and I was like, but mm-hmm. actually, it's a myth where Eros is not Eros, but is trans male to female, and is Psyche. Um, and I was like, this is the story that I'm going to tell. And so I did. I did do that. I reinterpreted the myth of Eros and Psyche as, like, a trans narrative, uh, in a way that I would go back and rewrite now, but I was very Mm -hmm. proud of at the time, because I was, that was, like, the thing that I did, because I found that more interesting than just forbidden love, Beauty and the Beast story. Yeah. Which, it's Um, a fine story, but I was like, there are more interesting things here, especially with Aphrodite just messing up everyone's day all the time yeah um just so our listeners i think i have a vague idea of what mm. the myth is can you just reiterate what the original myth of eros and psyche is just for oh, context for our sure. listeners because something we've realized yes. is apparently our knowledge of myths is not universal whoops yeah um, um so okay i'm gonna butcher this but i think the essential idea of psyche and eros is psyche is beautiful woman, is most beautiful woman in the whole mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Um, this happens a lot in Greek mythology. This happens a lot. And I I think she's super beautiful, and Aphrodite's, like, kind of envious of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Aphrodite's, like, me- Aphrodite's in the background messing everything up this whole time. But mm-hmm. she's very beautiful. Um, and because she's so beautiful, she is constantly reviled by, like, her friends and her sibling. Her- she has two sisters who are less beautiful than her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, like, out of je- people act, people lash out against her out of jealousy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she, she, in doing this, is so, like, reviled and mistreated by her community that she, I believe, goes to the top of, like, a tall tower and mm-hmm. intends to throw herself off of it. Mm-hmm. So she does, she does, she throws herself off of it. But then the wind picks her up and takes her to a beautiful castle, right? <laughs> she's at this beautiful, or maybe not a castle, but this, like, beautiful living space, yeah. Greek, Greek, lavish living space. Um, and she, when she's there, she encounters a god, right, who mm-hmm. promises to love her, um, but says she can never look at him. Mm-hmm. So he only comes and visits her at night when it's pitch dark, uh, and this is the god Eros, who's the god of love, um, and he essentially is, says, I will love you forever, but you can never look upon my face. And Psyche is cool with this. She's she's just like, yeah, sure, yeah. whatever. I was beautiful house, beautiful life. I don't care if I never see you. Yeah. Um I think side note, isn't Eros also Aphrodite's son? Which brings Yeah, up Eros interesting- is Aphrodite's son. <laughs> Mommy issues. Yeah, Eros is Aphrodite's son, or maybe not. Some myths he is, some myths he isn't. In a lot of these interpretations, he is because Aphrodite comes and like messes things up. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so Aphrodite is jealous of her son having a love interest. I don't know. I, she doesn't like this for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so she brings Psyche's sisters to where Psyche lives. Um, and essentially has her sisters instill doubt and be, mm-hmm. it's just like, make her think, what if your husband's a monster? What if he's gonna, like, claw your, throw it out in your sleep? What if he's a bad person? Mm-hmm. Um, just to try and ruin her life, because they know that if Psyche looks upon her husband, bad things will happen to her. But they instill doubt in Psyche's mind, which is bad. Um, mm-hmm. And then that night, when they're, when she and Eros are laying together, they're not married yet, when she and Eros are laying together, um, she takes, like, a candle. Mm-hmm. And lights it, uh, and looks upon him, and he's the most beautiful man in the world because he's the god of, like, he is the physical embodiment of love, the same way Thanatos is, like, the physical embodiment of death. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so she has this wax candle, and a single drip of it, like, falls onto his shoulder and hurts him, um, but that alerts him that she's looked upon him, and she's, he's like, oh, no, you broke the, the code. Um, but then Aphrodite comes, and she starts giving Psyche these, like, ridiculously hard tasks to try and prove mm-hmm. her worth to be, like, with Eros after betraying his trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Psyche goes on these, like, really arduous tasks that include, like, cleaning up every single grain of rice in, like, 10,000 grains of rice spilled across the kitchen and cleaning up every single grain of rice um, at like once. It, yeah, I think <laughs> it, it, like, partially is based off of the Cinderella story. And, mm-hmm. like, getting water from the River Leith, which is a river that human beings can't, like, put their... R- human beings can't touch because it erases your memories. Mm-hmm. Um, so she sends her on these arduous tasks. Meanwhile, Eros is, like, his wound's gotten infected and he's not having a good time. He's in a constant <laughs> feverish state. Uh, and he's just not vibing. Uh, like, and Aphrodite gangrene? This is how you get gangrene. <laughs> yeah. And Aphrodite won't let Eros and Psyche see each other. Um, and then finally, Aphrodite sends Psyche to go to the underworld... Mm. Um, to retrieve something from Persephone. Uh, mm. And on the way to the underworld, she encounters a bunch of people who, like, try and mess her up and, like, just bad vibes. And there's a mm. little bit of, like, a, a rapey vibe from one of them from some Ooh, of the interpretations yikes. I remember. Um, so she goes to Persephone and she explains, like, this whole tragic thing that's happened to her to Persephone. And Persephone's like, Aphrodite, that bitch. So... <laughs> We stand Persephone in this household. Yeah, so she she hatches a plan where, like, Psyche's supposed to get, like, a cream or something from mm. Persephone, something to make Aphrodite more beautiful. Um, instead, Persephone puts, like, a really powerful sleeping thing in there to be like, get, stop it, stop it, Aphrodite, you stop that. We um, love to see it. But Psyche, Psyche, on the way back up, or, like, as she's approaching the house, she's like, oh, maybe I'll get to see Eros after this, and I want to be beautiful. So she, like, tricks herself into opening it and falls into that, like, deep sleep that should kill her. But she's oh, semi-immortal at this point. Um, Aphrodite then goes to Eros and is like, your wife failed. And Eros is like, please just let me see her, because he's, like, in love with her. Um, and this is where, like, the true love's kiss idea comes from, because mm-hmm. he wakes her out of that deep sleep with true love's, with true love's kiss or whatever. Right. Um but yeah, so sh- anyways, they live happily ever after. Aphrodite gets kicked out and can't mess with them anymore. Um, mm-hmm. But so yeah, the story of Eros and Psyche is supposed to be the story about like devotion and doing incredibly arduous things for the sake of love. Um, and it it has a lot of tropes you see in Disney movies. But I was like, what if the, th- the tasks instead were um, Psyche trying to prove to Aphrodite as her mother that, like, she was trans and that she deserved her respect as a trans mm. person. And it's the evolution of her realizing, um, 
I, as a trans woman, don't have to fight for my mother's love if she's not going to give it to me. I can, like, go have my own life. Uh, So it was, I really just took the trials of Psyche and turned that into a trans narrative. Um, But yeah, that's the story of Psyche. I did some things, I don't remember the story exactly, but I would like to go revisit it because I think that that was, uh, that's a take that I really appreciated on that story. And I think also just kind of uh, Eros is like, a specific kind of love, right? Like, it's erotic love, and I find it very mm-hmm. funny that the guy whose name eventually turned into the word erotic also gets woken up by having hot candle wax dripping on him, because that's very <laughs> fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe that's where that idea came from. Someone heard that myth and was like, you know what I want to try, actually? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think there's some commentary on, like, how, you know, the human psyche interacts with love and that, mm-hmm. but I can't remember what it is. Yeah, I think Psyche goes on to be, like, a figure for, yeah, like, a figure for mental, like, we get the word Psyche because Psyche becomes, like, a goddess of some mental, like, brain thing. I don't remember Mm -hmm. exactly, but, yeah, she does become a goddess. They live happily ever after, presumably. I don't think either of them really show up in other stories, so presumably they just, Mm. they just vibed away from the mess that is the Olympians, who are in all of the stories all of the time. Yeah, you know, following in Hades and Persephone's footsteps of just like, we're going to ignore all the drama of the Olympians and we just We don't kind want of, that. We don't want that. No, no, no. Um, I guess just being the child of an Olympian kind of yeah. alerts you to the problematicness of, of it all. Mm-hmm. Goodness. You just, you don't want to get involved. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the other thing where I was like, trans narrative is the changeling narrative. And I think I mentioned this. Yes, um, I was about to remind you. Yeah, and that's just... So the reason why is because the changeling narrative is all about, like, being... So changelings are... And I think I explained this, but I'll just quickly... Changelings are um, when a human child is taken from their parents by the fae and are brought into the fae world and, like, raised as fae. So it's, mm-hmm. a, it's, an, it's a thing about being born one way, but, like, becoming something else, which is, you know can be anything, anyone's narrative, but because it's, like, physical and there's, like, an identity switch, I always was like, oh, transness, I see it, it's, I, mm-hmm. yes. Um, but I think one of the things that was very interesting to me is that I've recently seen a lot of interpretations of changelings as, like, they're not, they're not human anymore, so they can't go back to that world, but they're also not quite fey enough to be fully fey, and it's Mm -hmm. that kind of, like, trying to find a way to balance, like, being a mix and being, like, not quite fitting into two full options, where I was, like, my non-binary self looked at that and was just, like, mine. I want it. It's mine Mm -hmm. now, forever. Gimme. Gimme. It's mine. Um, (laughs) so yeah, it's, I, like, I really, I think it's a lot of, like, the transitional stories really appear to me, and then also, like, changelings specifically have the ability to like change their appearance but they can't change what they actually are so they can Mm -hmm. look however they want but they're like at the core this kind of like weird hybrid being um Mm -hmm. and i think just like there's a lot of stuff about the changeling narrative that i was like uh, imprinted on Mm -hmm. um but it's ultimately like the story of like trying to become starting out as one thing and trying to become something else and then never quite being able to do that that i was always like wow i i I vibe i feel you Mm mm-hmm yeah. Have, have you watched Shira Princesses of Princesses of Power I yet? Tried. I tried. Okay. I watched like part of the first season and then I was like I I just didn't get into it. I think that it, mm-hmm. it like it's a good show, I think. I've heard lots of good things about it. I just never personally got into it. Okay, cuz there is a character who is a changeling but cuz it's a, like a space story, it's kind of more just like that's an alien that's just kind of what they can do. 
Uh, and mm-hmm. their name is Double Trouble, and their pronouns, when they are not pretending to be someone else, uh, are they them. Mm. Uh, and this is just never, it's never, like, a big thing. It's just like, oh, yeah, just magic of knowing people's pronouns immediately on site, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that was very fun, and they're, like, a very charismatic kind of person. They are a little bit of an anti-hero, but I just kind of saw it, and I was like, hey, kids are learning about mm-hmm. non-binary pronouns, which is probably a good thing. Yeah. Uh, so, Yeah. Yeah, there was a character in Mortician's Tale who used they them pronouns, and it was like complete. It, it was also just like very much they were they just use they them pronouns, and it wasn't mm-hmm. like a big deal. Yeah, uh, and I felt very validated by that. It wasn't a sad context because again, it's a game about yeah. death, but it was nice to see like a character who uses they them pronouns and had a name and like mm-hmm. was part of the arc. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like a lot of Greek myths. Uh, or I guess just a lot of older stories in general uh, are, I think, a lot more kind of, like, mm, not progressive, but a lot more kind of freewheeling with, like, mm-hmm. ideas about gender and sexuality than, like, we would be today. I think we're experiencing a lot of these things from modern lens or having these things handed down to us from educational institutions or just from, like, scholarly sources that really don't want to acknowledge how gay mm-hmm. some shit is or how, like, trans some shit is. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, kind of looking back, you just, like, see certain stuff, and you're like, that is obviously explicitly gay, and then historians are like, no, they were just friends, they were just really good friends. They yeah. Really- they are just best pals. They were just good um, buddies. What is it, Apollo and, like, Hyacinth? Hyacinth yeah, is- Apollo yeah. and Hyacinth. Who, what? Gay? No. No. Gay, no. Sad, uh, and it was, yeah, I guess for that story, um, I believe it's... I don't remember the whole context, but Hyacinth is, like, Apollo's lover, or was mm-hmm. one of... Apollo had many lovers, and Apollo he resulted many, yeah. in the death of a lot of them. Um, yeah, it, a lot of Greek love stories end with death, uh, mm-hmm. because, again, the gods are dramatic and immortal, and, yeah. you know, they don't seem to care that much about committing homicide mm-hmm. uh, on each other as ways to be petty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or committing homicide on each other's love interests as ways to mm-hmm. be petty. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, like, I don't remember if it was something Apollo did or something another god did, but, like, Apollo was present when Hyacinth was killed because he was mm-hmm. a discus thrower, and a discus, like, done hit him in the head. I think something to do um, with the winds, like, yeah. one of the four winds was like, Ehh. Yeah, uh, so... And, yeah. And so it's just, yeah, Hyacinth, I think his Hyacinth. name was Hyacinthus, but he became one of, yeah. uh, many, 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 uh, hot Greek men. Who, who died and got turned into flowers after yeah. death. <laughs> Which, you know, is mm-hmm. a thing. There's Narcissus, you got Hyacinthus, probably some other things. Well, like, the laurel tree? The laurel tree is also Apollo done turned someone into a tree. <sighs> yeah. Did Daphne turn into a tree, or d- did Daphne just die? I don't know. I don't know that okay. story, so I can't answer that question. Again, I think it was, like, Apollo's girlfriend, and then... Mm. Yeah. Well... I mean, like, the... Was it the Laurel? I think whoever became, like, the crown of Laurel, so it must have been, like, the Laurel branches, she didn't die. She just was sick of Apollo flirting with her. Oh, yeah! Um, And so she was like, hey, Dad. I don't remember who her dad was, but she asked, like, her godly parent to turn her into a tree, or to save her from Apollo. And the god took this as, turn me into a tree, so he'll stop flirting with me. And then she got turned into a tree. Yeah. Like you Uh, do. Because... Apollo may be into a lot of things, but he's not a florosexual. Um, no. Apparently. Though him turning his boyfriend into a flower may refute that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, and there's, yeah, just general stuff, like, and I think 
I remember I was really struck by how Reardon brought this up in the books. I think at some point one of the kids meets Apollo and is like, wait, but how did you have me if my other parent is my dad? So how did you two? And he's like, I can shapeshift. This is not a big deal. But Was that yeah. Apollo or was that in the Magnus Chase books? Because that's Ooh. what happened with um Alex. I believe it was Alex Fierro is that it's her mom or yeah, I'll, I will use he, she, her pronouns for Alex. Alex uses she, her, and he, him pronouns. Mm. Um, but they specific, or er, she specifically does not use they, them pronouns. So mm-hmm. I, even though both pronouns apply, I will be using she, her. Okay. Um, but I believe her mom is Loki and her dad is not cool with a lot of things. Um, including like that and her gender identity and just generally, um, not, the the impression is that he's not a cool dude, um, but yeah, it's that Loki is her mom instead of her dad because mm-hmm. gods can shapeshift, and Loki has done that in several stories as being, like, the mother of a creature. Yeah. I feel like, okay, I feel like it was maybe still Apollo, but it may have been in a different book series, but at some mm-hmm. point I feel like there was a point where Apollo was like, yeah, I can- mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. The- orientation, not a big deal, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was kind of cool. Um yeah, I don't think there's much I related to in the way of, like, queer stuff through mythology, except maybe, like, hearing about Artemis and being like, she had the right idea, but... <laughs> I don't know, like, I feel like having an all-girl biker gang or, like, hunter gang is a very lesbian thing to do, but also, like, I if the ace community has claimed Artemis, then I don't want to, like, invalidate that, because I think that is also fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Artemis, damn. Yeah. I think that there are some interpretations of Artemis that are Aeroace, and then there are some interpretations that are Sapphic, and it's... Yeah. I think both are valid. I think that the gods are large enough, like, yeah. figures to encompass multiple identities. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just... One thing that I found interesting that I did learn about the Rick Riordan was that Dionysus, in some stories, is ra- was raised as, like, a girl to hide... Mm-hmm. So, yeah, to hide him, I believe, from Hera. He was Probably. raised as a girl, um, and then identifies primarily as male i believe or just like the way that he's written often is that he identifies as male and so there was Mm -hmm. like the experience of gender confusion and that experience through someone not in the same way that like i think a trans person maybe experiences Mm -hmm. gender confusion i i can't speak for how dionysus experiences it or how that's written but Mm -hmm. it is that there is a god for people who experience like confusion or disorientation with their gender Mm -hmm. Uh, and that is dionysus because of his personal experience which i think is very cool and something that i didn't know about until i read it and i was like oh yeah, of course the Greeks would have a god that's, like, gender yeah. stuff, question mark? I feel like, oh god, I remember an Overly Sarcastic Productions video about someone, and it may have been Dionysus, might not have been, uh, but there was someone in Greek mythology who was just kind of casually raised mm, by, like, just, yeah, like, had three parents and was also gender identity confused, question mark, um, or gender identity was interesting experience, um... I'm also remembering, I'm pretty sure there's an Irish dude. Irish myth, I should say. Not a currently living <laughs> Irish person. There's just a um, guy in Ireland. <laughs> there is at least one guy in Ireland, and his name is Hozier, and I like him very much. Um, <laughs> I've been listening to his music. It's good. Because uh, mm-hmm. I'm a Hozier sapphic, I've learned. Um, good for you. I'm glad you're figuring that out. Yeah, you know, it's an important part of my identity. Is just... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, one of his albums is called Wasteland, Baby, with an exclamation point at the end, and I think that's very fun. Yes. Uh, gotten off track, but there is some 
Irish myth where he's just raised by two moms, and that's just a thing. He has a warrior mom, and he has a not-warrior mom, and he's just raised that way. That's how it goes. Yeah, and that's how it goes. Um, yeah. It's not which one of you is the man, which one of you is the woman. It's like, which one of you will go to, like, die for your country, and which one of you is staying at home um, mm-hmm. with the kiddos? And it doesn't have to be, you know, the dude for the first answer. Yeah. Sometimes Warrior women not. are great. Yeah. I I agree. I was trying to think of... I mean, we see pretty much every Greek god has some battle potential and goes to war mm-hmm. at least once, which is very fun. Um, Aphrodite starts wars. I'm not sure if she's great at fighting in them. Uh, yeah. She, would I go up against her? No, but, you know. Yeah. She, she meddles. She makes things happen. She just fucks with things. Yeah. Which is like... <sighs> You know, that if, if that's what she gains, you know, purpose from, good for her. Someone's <laughs> gotta make things happen. Well, I guess all the gods make things happen one way or another. Yeah. I'm not sure if Aphrodite is necessarily serving love. She's just constantly shipping people and being like, now kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, that's not necessarily a special godly ability. That's just the thing that 12-year-olds can do on the internet. <laughs> like, mm. Yes, but, I yeah. My brain is just all over the place. Mm-hmm. I do think another really interesting story is, like, just the story of Pandora and how they were like, we're going to make the perfect woman, and all the gods got together and did that. <laughs> There's a lot of women being made from, like, clay and stone in Greek mythology and then coming to life, and everyone's like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, sounds a little bit Christian to me, so I'm going to... Mm. I feel like maybe, maybe we re- we took some liberties, creative liberties when, when making the Bible. Uh, mm-hmm. whoops. Maybe. Um, maybe. Maybe a little bit. Or maybe we filtered that through a Christian lens. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, no. Just yeah. lots of perfect people being designed and then fucking up and then being like, mm-hmm. wait, no, but you weren't supposed to do that. And it's like, humans are kind of stupid, dude. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I am pretty sure that it was actually, it was Aphrodite who did that also, because mm. they make, like, the most beautiful woman ever, and then Aphrodite's like, but I'm supposed to be the most beautiful woman ever, and so she instills, like, the thing in Pandora that makes her want to open the box, mm. um, which is, you know, Aphrodite, sometimes it'd be like that. Like, yeah, and this is just something that, like, I know in my heart that, like, we talk a lot of shit about Aphrodite, but if this went the way a Greek myth does and she showed up in the next instant, I probably <coughs> would immediately just be like, okay, sure, whatever. Whatever you say, ma'am. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, God. But it's also like, you can shapeshift. You're a god. Just fucking... She's prettier than you. Okay, so change that, then. <coughs> you don't even need to, like, buy any makeup. You can just do that. <laughs> You can just be however you want to be, you know? It'd be like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Sometimes. I guess only for gods and shapeshifters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gods and uh, shapeshifters. The broad category. Yeah, gods and shapeshifters are a very broad category. I guess mm-hmm. I'm going to share my own. I'm not sure if this counts as a myth. It's kind of demon-related, so I'm going to say it counts as a myth. Uh, it is of the Abrahamic tradition, so this may mm-hmm. be spicy to certain people, but I think those certain people probably would not listen to this podcast to begin with. So This is true. Um, but yeah, one of my favorite stories is the story of Lilith, because <laughs> it's so good. Um, and this is something that I got from like a website off the internet, 
like, maybe Wikipedia even, so don't fucking quote me on this if you've actually studied demonology and know what you're talking about. Let me have this. Um, so Eve is not actually the first woman, uh, because the first woman was Lilith, and God made her from the same clay that he made Adam, did not factor in that that would maybe mean they have similar personality traits, and thus... Lilith was like, I'm not gonna be subservient to Adam, why would I do that? We're literally the exact same, that's fucking stupid. And God Mm -hmm. was like, well, okay, Lilith, so your options are, uh, marry Adam and be subservient to him and whatnot, or live in hell for the rest of eternity. And Lilith was like, I will take hell over this dickwad. Mm -hmm. Uh, and became the first- Of course. I don't think she was the first female demon- but she was definitely, you know, among the first. She's kind mm-hmm. of a trailblazer. Love her so much. She is, yeah, just the first empowered woman. And that is why Eve is made from one of Adam's ribs, because he was like, maybe this time she won't get uppity. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, now dependent on Adam yep. for life and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, I just love that so much. Like, that's such a gay icon thing to do, of just being like, I'm gonna choose damnation over being with a dude. It's kind of what I'm, where I'm at. Like, that's, that's so gay. That's how it goes, you know? I <laughs> like, just, I don't want I it. Yeah, I was like, well, you know what? I'll take hell. Because <laughs> guys just aren't that appealing, quite frankly. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. And Adam's kind of an idiot anyway, so. Mm. The only Adam <laughs> I appreciate is Adam from Good Omens. His- uh-huh. <laughs> I think that Adam's also kind of an idiot. But, he yeah. is kind of an idiot, but he's also just like... Because I find it very funny that the whole point with that is that Adam in that book is not an allegory for God or Satan, but is instead an allegory for death of the four horsemen. And mm-hmm. that's that's where Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman decided to go. They were like, we're not going to make him a parallel for God or for Satan, but death. And that's why he has three friends and they're all allegories for the horsemen. And it's very funny. And I mm-hmm. appreciate that book a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would say I write a lot about uh, the big man himself, Lucifer. Not God, mm-hmm. Lucifer. He shows up in a lot of my writing. Is um, he a British man in a suit like he's in many modern inter- interpretations, or is he, he different? I don't know. You know, a lot of the times he's just... I think that Lucifer is just someone who looks and acts a lot like me, but is also a snake. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I wrote Lucifer in as a character who... um yeah, Lucifer doesn't show up in my writing in, like, as a character. He shows up a lot in my poetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't even know if Lucifer is a dude in my poetry. Lucifer is just kind of there and mm-hmm. vibing. Um, but I really, like, I don't know. The idea of, like, the original sin and that being, like, a thing is something mm-hmm. that I'm very interested in. I'm not interested in, in, like, a lot of Christianity or a lot of the Abrahamic faiths in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea of the original sin and of, like kind of this interconnected mess that has resulted in humanity is very interesting to me. Uh, and mm-hmm. then I also just, like, I realize now I wrote a love poem that was between uh, Lucifer and Eve, and I don't, I stand by that poem. I think it's a very Hosier good poem. also did that. Hosier yeah. also wrote a love song between Lucifer and Eve. Yeah. That's... <laughs> and the lesbians also claimed that one. Mm-hmm. I don't know, yeah, this one, Lucifer is gender ambiguous in all of my writing, and I think Lucifer should be gender ambiguous just in general, you know? They can do whatever they want. So when you're writing, Lucifer is you, but if you were a scaly. Lucifer is me if I were the king of hell. This is what Lucifer is. He's you if you could turn into a snake. He's you if you were a scaly. Well, no, he's me, yeah, but he's also me if I, like, 
wasn't afraid of authority figures. <laughs> <laughs> what a self-fucking-own. Yeah, I don't respect authority, but I am afraid of it, so... <laughs> This is you if you were a scaly and if you weren't a pussy. I love that for you. Yeah. <laughs> He's me if I just didn't have very bad anxiety is what Lucifer is in all of my writing. I don't know if that's what he is in real life, but that was that's how I interpret him in my writing. Um, that's so good. Oh my god. And yeah, but I do want to say Lucifer should be gender ambiguous, and if you want to write Lucifer as a non-binary person or as a woman, you are valid in that because, you know. Yeah. I love that. So, yeah. Yeah, okay, I will keep that guideline in mind for all of my writing. Um, mm-hmm. That's very funny to me. Uh, yeah, I also just love, again, Overly Sarcastic Productions, shout out to them. Uh, the, <laughs> there's a video where they explain Paradise Lost, and it's kind of, and I'm not sure if I learned this from this video or just in general, but back in ye olden days, before computers and typewriters and whatnot, uh, men typically didn't know how to type, but women did, because that was a secretary thing, and so mm-hmm. men would just dictate entire novels to the women in their lives, and they would just have to type that shit up. And mm-hmm. the guy who wrote Paradise Lost, which is where we get a lot of our interpretations of Satan as a sexy bad boy, dictated his entire thing to his young daughters, and they typed it up, and so that horny teens may be why we have Satan as, like, this very seductive kind of powerful bad boy mm-hmm. uh, instead of evil as he normally is in mm-hmm. most Christianity, which I think is super funny. Um, mm-hmm. Just, yeah, people have always been into bad boys, I guess, and mm. that's just kind of expressed itself in a lot of weird ways as we look at Satan, and for some reason people get horny for him. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm not here to judge, but God is. <laughs> yeah. God's gonna see the supernatural fanfiction you wrote when you were 14, <laughs> and God's not gonna like it. <laughs> you can go meet him. Mm-hmm. And he's not gonna be a British guy in a suit. He's not gonna be. Uh, I mean, he might be. He may be, but I if, don't know. If the majority of people who believe in Satan believe Satan is a British guy in a suit, then, like, you know, mm. if belief dictates form. Also, I just love that it's like, yeah, the English are evil and must be stopped at all costs. <laughs> the devil is an Englishman. Yeah. That sounds like a title of some, like, indie rock band from Britain. <laughs> the Devil is an Englishman. The Devil is an Englishman, yeah. That's the uh, that's the EP of my new band. <laughs> What's your band called? Um, doesn't have that. The band doesn't exist, but if I ever make a band, the EP will be titled The Devil is an Englishman. Um, and so I guess me in ten years can look back on this and be like, wow, Okay, I really did say that, huh? Can your can your band be called Gender? I don't even know her. <laughs> uh, if it was a parody band, yes. <laughs> if it's a parody band and it's just um, you know, a bunch of trans people and then the one token cis person, then it can be called Gender. I don't even know her. <laughs> what one token cis person? I don't know. I feel like that's it's. <laughs> You know, they're like, this is the token gay character. Well, mm-hmm. I'm going to take that. I'm going to say this is the token cis character for all the the young women to be horny about. It's going to be a bunch of trans people and one cis dude. 
This is for the straight girls out there. God this bless you. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't imagine a, a, that would. We would have a whole lot of like just cishet listeners. But if we did, there would be just like token cis dude to be horny about. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you know having the token hot cis dude is a good way to attract cishet female listeners. This is true. Uh, and you probably have a lot of gay male listeners, so, you know, there's that. And also, people can be horny for any and all of the trans people in your band. That's true. Because, uh, have you seen that one D&D TikTok that's like, how to make sure that your party is horny yeah. for the NPC you write? And one of them is just any non-binary person yeah. is just automatically... <laughs> make anyone <laughs> gender ambiguous, and then... Yeah, it's like, uh, what is it? It's like, man in a suit, mm-hmm. so Satan. Uh, Women with, woman with a deep voice. Well, with the deep voice. So, uh, um, Amelia Garfield. Man with a dad bod who listens to your life problems. Um, let's see. I think it's, like, woman with sword or something. Woman with sword, obviously, yes. How could I forget? Mm-hmm. Um, God, and there's one other. I don't know. We'll link it if we yeah. can find it. There was another, uh, TikTok where someone was like, I have very high standards. Um, and then it cut to, uh, non-binary with glasses. And then the person was like, yes, I want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's standards. I don't know mm-hmm. if we can judge whether or not that's low or high, but that's standards. That is standards. I don't... Maybe just I feel like someone with high... What? Yeah. <laughs> Non-binary with glasses is my type. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I have to say I felt validated by that, but... Yeah, you know. as well you should, non-binary <laughs> person with glasses. <laughs> Those are my two main traits, you know? I am non-binary and I wear glasses. <laughs> Oh. We're way off topic, but We're it's way good. Off topic. It's um, all good. Well, I mean, we got kind of into the the field of like what people are horny for, which I feel like applies to a lot of Greek mythology, mm-hmm. uh, specifically Zeus. Yeah, I mean, Zeus-, Zeus is kind of indiscriminately horny, as far as I can tell. Zeus is indiscriminately horny. He's also just gross. Um, he is gross. <laughs> he's like, yeah. Again, it's I laughed so much. At the part where it's like, Zeus didn't fuck for 60 years because we told him that he couldn't do that anymore. Because he promised like, that he wouldn't, and he stuck to that. Yeah, Zeus stuck to his word mm-hmm. and did not fuck anyone because of a rule that said he couldn't fuck anyone. Mm-hmm. To which I respond, marriage did not stop him from being <laughs> horny, which I would argue <laughs> is a lot more important than any stupid rule. And also, he's... The motherfucker's turned into a swan before to get a bitch pregnant. Don't, mm-hmm. don't think that, mm. Well, I, one of my favorite, it's not my favorite, but one of the things where I'm like, you really couldn't, you could have done something else, is the one time where he was like, you know what I'm gonna do to seduce a woman? I'm gonna turn into a bull, I'm gonna come up out of the ocean, I'm gonna get her to climb on me, like, you know, like you do with wild bulls, and then I'm gonna run off to a deserted island and have sex with her. And it worked! He, was this the Minotaur's this, mom? Was this how the Minotaur happened? No, this was, like, just another woman. He turned into a bull, he came up out of the surf, he got her to climb on him, they were, went to a desert island, revealed himself to be Zeus, and then they did the do. Someone in Greece was really horny for bulls, and it really mm-hmm. shows. Yeah. Um, god, I mean, I think <laughs> if I had a god that I could be like, you could have done something different. Again, probably would have been Athena, because she... She was about to lose a weaving competition, so she just had to go and make spiders. Yeah. She had to go and do that. There mm-hmm. wasn't... 
She couldn't just take the L. She's a god. I think like, the re- she's a god is the reason why she couldn't take the L. The god, like the gods, are all just too much pride all the time. Can't do it. They kill a lot of people because of it. It's just like you could have just you could have just declared a draw. Could have made maybe made Ariadne like your champion or something. Mm-hmm. That would have been cute. That would have been like, yeah, you know what? You beat me at this. You're good at this. Mm-hmm. Have some immortality. But no, she was like, have four extra limbs and six extra eyes, you stupid fuck. You're a spider now. Have fun sparking phobias for the next few millennia. Mm-hmm. Like, have fun just... originating arachnophobia. And like, spiders are valuable. Mm-hmm. I will admit this. But also, could have done something cuter with them. Didn't have to make them look like that if you were going to make them. If you are going to make things that eat bugs, could have done something a little bit fuzzier. Um, I mean, you could have done something reminiscent of frogs. Frogs eat yeah. bugs, and frogs are valid. Frogs are fine. Frogs are fine. Um, the the hot take like, of this less... podcast, frogs are fine. <laughs> That's the title of your band's first album. Uh <laughs> After the EP, The Devil's an Englishman, it's our first album, Frogs Are Fine. Yeah. It's like just a very scathing critique of the English, and then just like an all-around endorsement of frogs. It's yeah. A lukewarm endorsement of frogs. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm getting hyped for this this album and this band. This is gonna be so fun. <laughs> um, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, spiders. Um, Yeah, no. Just like... The gods being petty is just kind of the worst. Mm-hmm. And also, like, this kind of reminds me of another thing where, like, someone took the L in Greek mythology on purpose, and I can't remember if it was... It was another one of those beautiful women who's like, I'm beautiful and this makes me lonely and tortured. Because, you know. That's, uh, that's like, 90% of women in Greek mythology. I... I'm hot and that's my main problem. Mm-hmm. Um, which, like, okay, fine. Uh, and I, th- I feel like it was maybe Atalanta, who I stan anyway. But she was like, my suitor needs to beat me in a foot race and or wrestling match for me to marry him. Uh, or he dies. And mm-hmm. for some reason, this still did not deter the horny swarm of young <laughs> <Yeah>. men. <laughs> was that <laughs> Adelanta? I thought Adelanta was the one who got chained to the oh, rocks. Yeah. And because her father was like, you're so beautiful, I'm going to chain you to the rocks to appease this sea monster. No, no, that's someone different. That's another person. Adelanta was the huntress. Who's really mm. good at hunting, and we'll look this up. But anyway, it's just like someone who you know, like suitors, kind of couldn't beat this girl in a foot race, uh, and so they kept dying. And for again, for some mm. reason, this did not thin the crowd. That is one so. Atalanta is the swift-footed huntress. Okay. Um, and there was this one dude who was like, "I really like you, Atalanta, or whatever your name is." Until we figure who out, figure out who that is. Uh, and for some reason. Maybe because of godly meddling. She liked him, too, and she's like, ah, damn. Like, I don't want him to die. He's kind of cute, though. Uh, and so she just kind of threw the race on purpose. Like, ah, darn, we have to get married. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was very cute. I like the idea of, like, whoever beats me in combat shall be my lover. Because um, I think that's very sweet and, like, a good way to start off an equitable, or maybe not totally equitable, but, like, good partnership of, like, mm-hmm. we can challenge each other and that's okay. Um, yeah. Atalanta is the one that you're thinking of. I was thinking of Andromeda, who, <laughs> you know, through no fault of her own, she was just beautiful, and then all of her people were like, you're more beautiful than the naiads, the, like, ocean women. I th- 
Maybe naiads are freshwater, or I just don't know enough about the ecology yeah. of uh, mythical beings from ancient Greece, but sure. Mm. Yeah, the ocean women, um, and she, Poseidon didn't, d- he did not like that. He was like, no, no, you can't say that about her. Uh, so he sent a sea monster to attack her kingdom, and her father was like, what's the correct solution to this? I'm going to tie my daughter to the rocks and let her get eaten, and then maybe that'll fix this problem. Uh, and then Perseus came and killed the sea monster and saved Andromeda, and that's Perseus and Andromeda mm. got married, I guess. I don't know. But, like, they fell in love because he saved her from death. Kind of realizing that maybe why Annabelle's name is Annabelle in the Percy <laughs> Jackson series. You mean Annabeth? Annabeth, that one. <laughs> the other one. Not the doll. Yeah, Annabelle. It's been a minute since I've read it, and it was also very piecemeal reading, so. Mm-hmm. It, it was in a kind of keeping it secret, yeah. Uh, I don't know, but yeah, Andromeda was gonna get got by a sea monster, but then she got saved. Yeah, because that's kind of the fate of hot women in Greek mythology, is like, mm-hmm. mm, sacrifice or lots of horny men, and that's its own problem. Yeah. Another person who suffered the fate of horny men, uh, Penelope, when her husband did leave her for that really oh, long stretch yeah. of time, and then all the suitors were like, hey, I want to marry you. Hey, you and done mourning like, yet? You done mourning your dead husband yet? Because, like, I'd hit that. And it was like, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> kindly, Stop. Fucking kindly off, sir. Um, but another thing that Zeus did that was way too extra to have sex with someone was, per- I believe it was Perseus's mom who was just locked in a cell because her dad got the message like, hey, your daughter's kid, she gonna kill me one day, or he gonna kill me one day. And she was like, he was like, I don't want that to happen. I don't want my grandson to kill me. Um, so he locked his daughter in a cell, uh, you know, because, you know, creating bitterness with your daughter is definitely not gonna result in a grandson yeah. who wants to kill you. Uh, and then Zeus turned into a a shower of gold and came in through, like, one of the vents of the cell uh, mm-hmm. and seduced her and, you know, they, she got pregnant. And then she got thrown into a box and thrown into the sea with her infant son. Greek myths are kind of fucked up, yo. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And then Perseus goes on and becomes a great hero. But, yeah, his life really did start with him getting shoved into a box and thrown into the sea. So... <laughs> You gotta hit those really low lows. We will shove the problematic people into some luggage and put them into the uh, Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. I forgot where Greece was for a minute in relation to other oceans. They're not in the oceans, they're in the sea. Yes. The middle land sea. Because, Mm -hmm. you know... Yeah, anyone who thinks Mediterranean is like some inventive name, it's not. It means middle of land. It's very literal. To be fair, China's name for themselves is not China, it's Zhongguo, which is uh, Middle Kingdom, because mm-hmm. they believe they were the center of the earth. So, like, you know. Yeah. It happens. That's um, how it goes sometimes. Yeah, also, look at Greenland and Iceland. What the fuck were we thinking? <laughs> the <Y'all>. Norse! <laughs> Damn Vikings and their tourist pranks. Yeah. Um, the like, Norse were playing mind games with everyone, and instead of renaming it at some point, we were just like, no, we're gonna let the Norse win on this one. We'll, everyone will collectively take the L that the Norse are distributing, uh, and we'll keep calling them Iceland and Greenland. Yeah, to say nothing of the Sahara Desert, or was it the Gobi Desert or the Sahara Desert? I don't know, there's a desert somewhere that just means desert, desert. Yeah, that's Sahara, and- Sahara Desert, Sah- or, yeah, Sahara is desert, so when mm-hmm. people say Sahara Desert, it's like, well... Chai thanks. tea. Mm-hmm. All that stuff. Um, also, if you just look at Australia, they have a desert that isn't even, like, in a different language. It's just called the Great Sandy Desert. 
congrats, Australia, I guess. This is what happens when we settle things in, or when white people settle things in not ancient times, I guess, is just Mm -hmm. we end up with bullshit maps like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, Australia was a penal colony. I don't think that they were really looking to do anything super interesting. They were just like, yeah, it's a bunch of sand. The Great Sandy Desert. It's a perfectly utilitarian name. It's Great Sandy Desert. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck it. We're drunk. We're making the maps. (laughs) That was a very bad Australian accent. (laughs) I am so sorry to anyone from down under who had to endure that. I doubt that you had to endure that. We have all American listeners, but I'm sorry. That that has the same energy as when Miguel was doing the dingo impression. <laughs> dingo, my baby, <laughs> my baby, baby. Oh no! Yeah, it this has the exact same energy as that, which was to this day one of the most like sure why not things that has ever happened. Mhm. Oh, bless. Oh, God bless. I feel like Miguel and I are both very good, like, we're pretty good at the things that we do, but as soon as we're in a group together, it just goes full, like, satire. No one's trying to be serious at any point. Yeah, you guys both just turn your brains off for, Mm -hmm. like, a long, long time when you guys are, like, collaborating. Um, Which is fair, because I think that's also, to an extent, what happens when we start collaborating. (laughs) Uh, We have a few big brain moments, but mostly it's just kind of... Mostly it's no brain. No brain work. No brain. Brain. Um, Who knows her? Mm, I'm trying to think of other weird things that have happened in Greek mythology that- or just in any mythology. Oh, Um, I guess we didn't really touch on it. I will explain the Thor thing. So, Uh in a very short explanation, uh, Thor's hammer, Mjolnir, big deal. Uh It's just- it's a a thing, you know? It's a pretty important piece piece of work. Uh, like and Eli in their glasses, very important. Can't separate. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think he used Mjolnir to see. No, he just uses it to beat up everyone all the time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like you use your glasses. <laughs> yeah, I, my glasses are my secret weapon. Um, very dangerous. Very, very dangerous, very breakable plastic. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's scratched all, all the way, all over. Anyway, um, Thor and his thunderstick. Thor and his thunder stick. Well, he has a thunder stick that's not his... He has, like, a stick, and then he has his hammer. <laughs> this is this is actually true. Mm-hmm. Um, but his hammer got stolen by a frost giant, and the frost giant yeah. really wanted to marry, I think, Freya? Maybe? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but Freya was like, I no, I'm not gonna do that. Was it Freya? It was it was yeah. a female Asgardian. Was... And Thor was like, yeah. I have a plan. So then Thor dressed up and pretended to be the bride of this giant. Um, I'm pretty sure it wasn't Thor's idea. I think it was Loki. Like, what yeah. if we just made Thor crossdress? Wouldn't that be funny? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for some reason, Thor agreed. I mean, Loki can shapeshift. I'm not sure why. Yeah, Loki wanted entertainment, and thus, yeah, Thor... Loki had a plan, and Thor was Thor like, you know, you're kind drag. of my uncle, so yeah, yeah. So Thor dressed up as a bride and went up and almost got married to Frost Giant and then stole his hammer back. And I'm pretty sure slaughtered the guy. Like, that yeah. seems to be where it was going. But yeah, the Norse, yeah. they really, like, Greek stories are wild. The Norse are just like, hey, this might as well be a thing that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think in that myth, I, I can't remember, there's like a, a few things where, like, the Frost Giant nearly, like, uncovers them, and then Loki mm-hmm. just has to, like, really quick bullshit something. Um, like, Thor, Loki's because pretending Thor, Loki empties, is also... like, a whole, like, unemptiable flagon of wine or something, and he's like, uh-huh. she's just nervous <laughs> about the wedding, 
It's fine. Don't worry about it. I Don't do th- worry about it. I do think Loki is all... Loki has shapeshifted, because I believe Loki yeah. in this myth is pretending to be a handmaiden. Like, yeah. the handmaiden of this goddess. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He decided not to, and I would question why, but I know exactly why, and it's because Loki is a bastard. Uh, mm-hmm. And I love him so much. Yes, it's so good. That is one of the things that I really appreciate about Good Omens, because... Not Good Omens, about uh, American Gods, because the take on it was that uh, Loki and Odin are grifters, and that they work together as a pair of grifters, which is, like, the best interpretation of those two characters ever. That's so very good! They oh. like, they bring about the end of the world as part of a long con, which is the best, like, most Norse thing to have be the conclusion of that, and I was, I was reading it, and I was like, yeah, I agree. That, mm-hmm. that sounds about right. Yeah. Oh, damn. Think- Speaking of things that we wrote about mythology, we did kind of create a whole... Well, you helped me create a whole kind of mythology for mm-hmm. our friends and yep. our classmates and whatnot. Um, yes. Which is also where, you know, Eli mentioned earlier that you are the personification of death whenever we make a mythos. I don't remember when other times people have made a mythos and been like, what cosmic forces Eli represent? And someone went death. But yeah, we did mm-hmm. kind of decide that. Um Though I think, much like Hades, it was kind of foisted upon you, because it was like, well, this is the last concept we have left, and you're here, so. Yep. <laughs> Death. It makes sense. Yeah. I was life, for anyone who was wondering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was very funny, because it was a, like, basically, we were on the train, and just kind of vibing out and talking, and I was like, what if we made a pantheon, but it was just our friends? Like, who would be in charge of what? And then we figured out exactly who would be in charge of what. And mm-hmm. then I wrote a screenplay based on that for screenwriting. Uh, and one of the comments that uh, Miss Swinnett gave back during critique was, it feels like you know these characters really well. <laughs> and I was like, because we changed the names, because it wasn't inherently like... Like, I'd cast specific people to read for certain parts, because mm-hmm. obviously. Um, <laughs> but, like, it wasn't inherently like, oh, this is obviously these people. Um so yeah, it was just very funny. Like you seem like you know these people really well, and like you, these characters seem so developed. And I was like, that's because they're real people, and they're sitting in front of. Me. <laughs> that's because I interact with them on a daily basis, just mm-hmm. constantly. Yeah. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we just end up creating mythos when we hang out. I guess is just mm-hmm. a thing because like between, apparently my narrative poem sparked some shit, and then we just made a pantheon. And that happened. Yes. yes. I I don't know if I... I don't think I create as many mythos because a lot of my stories are like, you know, they're not really... Powers aren't involved. Um, but I mm. certainly like to write about mythos. I like writing... Another story that I was like, mm, I vibe with this, was Atlas. Because mm-hmm. I took the story of Atlas and I was like, okay, but what if this was just an allegory for anxiety? And then I mm-hmm. did that, and that's a thing that fully exists in the world now, is a poem where Atlas is an allegory for just being an anxious person. Because um, it'd be like that sometimes. But I, mm-hmm. I do really like the story of Atlas. I think that it's very mm-hmm. funny how a bunch of the Titans got sent to hell, and then they just picked one and they were like, you're not going to hell. Instead, you get to hold the literal weight of the sky forever. Yeah. Like, it just, I'm sure he agreed to it and was like, that sounds better than what hell would be. And mm-hmm. then he got there and he was like, oh, shit. Oh, oh I, I have miscalculated. I've miscalculated greatly. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Oh, God. I made a grave mistake. Yeah. 
Good shit, good shit. Mm-hmm. Did you ever read, like, it wasn't Percy Jackson, but it was the Pegasus series, and it was another, like, Greek gods in New York series? Sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, Maybe. I only read the first book, but there was, like, another series where it was Greek gods in New York, but it, it wasn't actually Greek gods, it was Roman gods in New York. Because, mm. um, you know, and I don't remember the plot, it's just someone finds a Pegasus and then meets a bunch of gods, and that's, like, a thing that happens. You have my horse. My horse? No. I know. Uh, oh, another, what was it? Another messed up thing from Greek mythology uh, is just the fact that, like, one thing that I was always like, wow, that's not cool, uh, is that Orion got killed by, scorpion, by like, a giant scorpion, mm-hmm. uh, and then the gods were like, hey, so I know you're dead, but instead of letting you just be dead... Uh, I'm gonna put you up in the sky with your greatest enemy, and he's just gonna chase you forever. And all the Greeks were like, yeah, that sounds like an ethical thing to do to someone after they've been murdered. And they're like, um, here's, here's our mnemonic device for constellations. Getting chased for the rest of your life. Fun. <laughs> yeah. So that's why Scorpio appears after Orion in the sky, is because he's chasing Orion forever, and Orion never gets to rest and is instead forever pursued by the thing that killed him. Mm-hmm. Is Orion close to the Seven Sister Pleiade kind of thing, or is that a different myth? Because I think there's also an interpretation of that where he's chasing after some person he was horny for. I don't really remember Orion. I mean, Orion, I think his story is only in conjunction with Artemis, and I Uh, guess he was horny for Artemis, which mm. is, like, part of the reason why he got killed. I, th- I think like, Apollo was more to do with that, of like, stop hitting on my sister. And yeah, was it like, was... Bro, what the fuck? It was, he was horny for Artemis, and Apollo didn't like that, and so yeah. Apollo set the scorpion after him, and then killed him, and then Artemis yeah. was like, this is... No, what? Stop. Yeah. Although I feel like, again, overly sarcastic productions, I'll link the video if I can find it, uh, but it was just like, there's some interpretations where he wasn't even horny for Artemis, they were just friends, Yeah. and then Apollo was like, I gotta swoop in and save my sister <laughs> by murdering this dude. Because mm-hmm. again, the Greek gods don't know when to stop with the homicide. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then Artemis was like, bro, what the fuck? Why would you it, do that? That was my bro! That was mm-hmm. my buddy! My guy! Just a chill dude, you know? He was just a chill dude! We were talking about hunting and shit! Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, just the Artemis-Apollo dynamic is very funny to me. Mm-hmm. Like, finally, twins who aren't in love with each other and are just kind of bastards to each other generally, which is mm-hmm. how most twins are, like most siblings are. Yeah. I mean, the great tracker with siblings isn't yeah. great, but with I think that the only pair of siblings where it's like, oh, okay, sure, mm-hmm. is Apollo and Artemis, and then most other siblings have weird romantic tension within the sibling group, if not between all siblings. Zeus and Hera are straight up married. Yeah, like they, they're straight the, up married. The dating pool and the gene pool are like mm-hmm. a concentric circle in Greek mythology because of just kind of how limited yeah. things are when you're a god. Zeus and Hera are straight up married. Zeus and Demeter have had sex. Poseidon and Demeter have had sex. Um, Hades is married to Demeter's daughter. Demeter and Zeus's daughter, you know. <laughs> Both of, Two of his siblings are also his parents-in-law. Mm-hmm. It's a very incestuous circle of just... Yeah. It is reminiscent of Once Upon a Time, which is not a show about mythology, but about fairy tales, and I feel like mm-hmm. there's kind of some overlap there. Because now yes. everyone's just married or related to each other. It's It got very hard to parse after a while. I was like, is it okay to be shipping these two? No. There's also <laughs> another case where I'm like, oh, I didn't have a crush on Captain Hook, I just... The aesthetic is just very good. 
The aesthetic is just very good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I never really thought I had a crush on Frodo. I was just like, oh, yes, this is how I want to present myself as a person. Compet's a bitch. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) I'm just like, oh, I have vaguely positive feelings towards this man. Gotta be attraction. No, no, no. Mm. No. Fun. Yeah, and now it's fun because I can just, like, look at... There are, like, there's apparently a little bit of a trend on TikTok with straight boys being like, I'm gonna turn lesbian straight, which, like, first of all, not even bi, not even pan, you're just going, you're going right for not only cluing lesbians into how great dudes are, but completely getting us to shun what, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, difficult task. And then it's just, like, some white boy with a six-pack, like, hip-thrusting, va- like, vaguely seductively towards a camera, like, Braden, stop. <laughs> Don't do like, it, dude. We know you're going after unavailable women because your parents didn't teach you how to handle rejection properly when you were a child and you don't understand why straight p- people wouldn't be into you if you, like, want to be with them because, again, you don't know how to handle rejection, but this is just attention-seeking and needs to stop. Brayden, go home. Brayden, quit it. Yeah. Don't do that I'm thing like, that you're doing. Yeah. Like, it's good that you have muscles, my man. Mm-hmm. But no. But no. One thing that was very funny... Um, that is only loosely related to Greek mythology, but is kind of in relation to that, is, um, in the newest Assassin's Creed game, which is, like, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and takes mm-hmm. place in, you know, the Greeks, the Greek times, old, old, yeah. old Greece, um, is the character you play as, you have options where you can seduce both, like, male and female love interests, mm-hmm. uh, and the, the, the gamer boys got real mad, and they were like, well, that's not allowed, that's not historically accurate, and then a bunch of, <laughs> yeah, someone was like, the Greeks, so the first person was just like, hey, the Greeks were anti-homosexuality, and someone else responded mm-hmm. with this, like, their gods certainly weren't, and just a lot of, there's a lot of evidence that in at least some Greek city-states, like, certain forms of homosexuality were okay. Um, not always great, but, you know. Uh, yeah. and then someone else was like, no, the Greeks followed the church. Um, <laughs> they wouldn't- The church of God and <laughs> And I was like, the Greeks and Christianity didn't really ever coexist on the, like, No! Um, yeah, so it was very like, funny. I can understand maybe if they got very confused and started thinking of Greek Orthodox Christianity, but mm-hmm. again, that doesn't seem to take place around the time of the Odyssey, because I don't think Christianity is a freaking thing yet. No, wow, Christianity was not a, really a thing until like 300, at, le- at least 300 CE, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, by which time, the Greeks didn't really exist anymore. They were mostly part of the Roman Empire. Yeah. And yeah, the Greek Orthodox Church came about like either during or post the Byzantine Empire, which was long after ancient Greece was around. Um, yeah. But it was just very funny when people were like so mad that in a story about ancient Greece you could be pansexual when it's like assumed, or one interpretation of kind of that time was that a lot of people in Greece would have identified as like bisexual or pansexual, just because it yeah. was like, you know, people didn't really care as much. There was a more yeah, fluid they're... concept of sexuality. Yeah, they just didn't give a shit about sexual orientation, I think, was just the thing. They were mm-hmm. like, why do we need to or why do we need s- to classify that? In some states they did, and in some states they didn't, because then you'll mm. look at, like, Athens was very anti home or no, Sparta was very anti-homosexuality, but was also very, like, pro-women, and then Athens was more pro-homosexuality and more anti-women. It's like, Greek Greece was complicated. We can't talk we about actual know. Greece. Feminism and gay allyship <laughs> cannot coexist in the same place. Mm-hmm, as the Greeks are sure to tell us. But as yeah. Sappho would be sure to tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Oh, Sappho. Um, I don't know oh, much Sappho. about her, but I lo- but you know, I do owe her some a great debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, I was about to say. Oh yeah, it's like I know that there's the tired joke about like pansexual people being attracted to like kitchenware and whatnot. Where's Where's all the pansexual jokes about being attracted to the god Pan? Like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> that's not a joke, dude. That's just actually factual information. <laughs> Y'all are all just horny for the horned man. Got it. We're, yeah. I was about to goat say we're man. all horny for goat man, but then goat man's like an actual cryptid who what? exists. Goat oh, man. Of course he is. Okay. Yeah. Shane Shane Madey danced on Goat Man's bridge in an episode oh, yeah! of Buzzfeed Unsolved. Yeah, I remember now. Um. Oh, <laughs> just you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, it would be down to like that. A section of the, the queer community to like be like, yeah, you know what, his gaze induces madness and he's really into plants and just doesn't want to talk to other people and is probably most mm-hmm. definitely a stoner. Hot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I can't say for all pansexual people, but like, you know, if I met the no, god go pan- ahead, go ahead and do it. Go no, ahead. I don't, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how many, who listened or the identity of all people who listen to this podcast, but I will say, I personally, if I just encountered the god pan, you bet I'm hanging out with him. He seems like a cool dude. Not even in, like, a horny way, just, like, I would want to hang out with the god Pan. I mean, um, I also would want to hang out with the god Pan in a not horny way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we can agree on that point. Yeah. I mean, I don't really want to hang out with anyone in a horny way, so maybe I'm not the best judge of character. <laughs> Probably. Probably, yeah. Yeah. That's that's how it goes sometimes. You can't come to me with for that information. I don't have it. It's not mm-hmm. here. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, but yeah. no, I think that... I, the, the tired is making jokes about pan people with kitchenware. Wired is making jokes about pan people with the god because you know, a lot more esoteric and probably more accurate. Mm-hmm. Probably a hell of a lot more accurate. Yes. Oh. Now I'm trying to think about what the third tier of that would be. What what inspired would be? Oh man, I don't know. I'll come back to it. Mm. I will. I will not. I will not rest until I figure out an answer to that joke. Mm. Isn't there, like, there's got, there's other stuff with, would inspired be just being attracted to the entirety of the Greek pantheon, or is that too much of a stretch? I was gonna say, uh, inspired is, um, all pan people are flat earthers because of Pangea, but, (laughs) (laughs) again, I'm not a flat earther, I don't (laughs) No, I know that the person who's the child of an astrophysicist is probably not a flat. Well, I, I just want to make this really... clear for everyone who's listening, and maybe, like, someday someone encounters this and doesn't know who we are. I'm not a flat earther, but that is the immediate joke that I thought of. I also don't think pan people are flat earthers generally. If you are pansexual and a flat earther, email us, haynerdpodcast yeah, at gmail.com. Tell me personally, because I, I would like to just know if you are out there somewhere. Um, but yeah, that was the immediate joke I thought of, was that all pan people are flat earthers because of Pangea. I'm just thinking about what it would take for you to be a flat earther, and all I have is just a very weird teenage rebellion face against your dad. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, me trying to get back at my dad by not believing, like, a fundamental concept of, um, space. Not yeah. even astrophysics, just space. Just space and life in general. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine your dad getting very worked up about this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he'd probably know it was sarcastic, but also, it's just so great. Yeah. Uh, I pull a prank on my dad where I pretend I'm a flat earther. He wouldn't even believe me. He would not entertain that conversation. <laughs> he'd just be like, no. Stop it. Yeah. Flat earthers do confuse me, because it's like, who 
who benefits from saying that the Earth is round if it's not? Yeah. <laughs> and also, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> Flat Earthers, what's your plan of action here? What are you going to do to fix this problem? <laughs> like, yeah. just convincing people sure as hell isn't working. Like, what I, is your plan? Same with the people who are like, the moon landing was faked. And? <laughs> Fucking yeah. and what? Like, what, what, yeah, no, I think it is, one of the things is when people say, like, oh, round earth is a government conspiracy, what, what is the government gaining by making us think that the earth is round if it's not? First of all, Trump would have let it slip by now if it were a government conspiracy, second mm-hmm. of all. Yeah, but like, it's like, who? Who gives a shit? Who benefits? Yeah. Big wh- round earth companies? Like, <laughs> What, Sailing the companies? Round Earth who is... lobbyists, you idiots? Yeah, I think that the question is like, why? Who benefits? Flat Earthers, uh, Moon Truthers, please let us know who the fuck benefits yeah. from either of these things. I guess either I could see like the one true. thing I could see with the moon landing is like, I I also I think that the moon landing was real. I want to preface this with that. Um, yeah, I we know. Um, but I guess, like, the one thing that you could make an argument with is that maybe they faked it, or, like, they faked it earlier to try and keep the space program funded, because... Mm. But, again... The Soviets gave that... The so- the Soviets were like, yeah, you beat us to it. You beat us to the moon. We, yeah. We'll take the L on this one. The Soviets don't take the L unless it's, like... Yeah, do you think we fooled the Soviets? Like, do you think our rivals in the space race would be like, yeah, sure, sure, it looks fake, but whatever, I guess we'll take it. Like, no, the, like, the Soviets would be invested in making sure that any loss would be legit. Yeah. So, yeah. I Just, mean, uh, yeah, I, I also feel like if we, at the point in time where we were dealing with the moon landing, I feel like the government would not have put that much effort into faking the moon landing when, like, everything else about the 60s was also happening. Yeah. Yeah. They were busy, you know, with other things. I'm forgetting the dates of several important things, so I'm not going to make the joke I was going to make, but... Well, what were you going to say? Uh, wasn't that around the time that the FBI was clearing out the Black Panthers, or... I think that 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 was... I believe that that was um, a little bit after that time, but Mm. I'm not sure off the top of my head. I just know that the moon landing and Stonewall happened in the same summer. Yeah, that too. (laughs) The summer of 1969. Nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, it, that was like yeah, in the in the midst of the civil rights movement, in the midst of like Stonewall and its repercussions, and then it was like, why would the government fake the moon landing? I feel like they wouldn't put that much effort into it. Have you seen the American government? They don't try that hard. Have you seen the American government with STEM and like education in general? What the f- like? It's not military. They don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, True. NASA wasn't making a space gun. They, no, you say that, really but NASA no... was making a space gun. <laughs> You're shitting me, what? No, it was, I don't remember who it was, but I think maybe Nixon? One of our presidents wanted, okay. There was a pro. There was a program or a point in history called the Star Wars program. Um, where they wanted to make a missile system that would be in space that we could then use against the Soviets. So there was a, a desire that NASA be working on space lasers to be to militarize space, I guess. Yeah. Listen, it's not covered in the Geneva Conventions. Space murder isn't technically a war crime. 
Oh, yeah. You remember when we had the first space crime, like, last year? It was year? a lesbian trying to drain her wife's bank account from space. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. Because it's not crimes. even that bad of... Like, it's a bad crime, but it's also a very funny crime to have happened, because it's like, no, it's not murder, not kidnapping, not ransom, not not anything. It's mm-hmm. just financial tomfoolery. <laughs> <laughs> it's just white-collar nonsense. And I just love that. It's so anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, but of course the first space crime would be, like, a white-collar crime. I feel like if someone wanted to commit murder, they wouldn't go to space to commit murder. They'd just commit murder. I don't know, you're in a confined space with a bunch of other people all the time. I can imagine murderous tendencies would bubble up. This is true. But also, I feel like there's nowhere to hide the body on a space station. If someone just goes missing, like, that's gonna be noticed immediately. You're in a very confined (laughs) space with a lot of other people. They're looking out the window, they're like, wait, isn't that Frank? Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's been a terrible accident at the airlock. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like, you know, if you murder someone on a space station, they would pretty quickly put two and two together and make four. Like, (laughs) this has to be one of the most highly monitored places just ever. But, like, in space, no one can hear you club them over the back of the head with a monkey. the height of this episode, so maybe we should end it while we're ahead. Yeah, you know what? We end among the constellations as did many Greek myths. I think yeah. we ended completely on topic. Mm-hmm. We're we're right where we should be, uh, even if we're maybe not where you expected us to be. Yeah, because we say we're right where we should be, and you just need to trust us on that. Yeah. That's how it goes sometimes. Alright, I need to find the outro, so keep talking for a second. Okay. Um, there it is. Never yeah, mind. there we go. I didn't even have to say anything. Look at you. Yeah, I, it's almost like I just remembered where it should be, and then I found it. Okay. Um, vibes. Okay. So, <laughs> thanks to the Software Noise on the Free Music Archive for the use of their song, Tal Defense Ending, for our intro and outro. Um, hey, sponsors, if you're out there, Blue Apron, HelloFresh, ExpressVPN, NordVPN, anyone, just, if you have a big business, or a small business, or a business that you want to give to um, young people money to talk about, we're ready with our email, haynerdpodcast at gmail.com. Contact us. Listeners, you lovely people, rate and review us on iTunes if you have that, and tell your friends about us. Um, Or, you know, your enemies, your mortal enemies, just people that you meet on the street. Tell anyone about us. We'll be grateful. Teachers, Uh, parents, grandparents, dogs, cats, mm -hmm. any pets. Yeah. uh, Dark overlords, Satan himself, uh, mm-hmm. whoever you make sacrifices to, just yeah, kinda, whoever, man. Just if get, you're a get, warlock, get you're patron. If you're a cleric, you're patron. Yeah, <laughs> they're basically if you're the same paladin. Thing. Also, your patron, like, <laughs> uh, if you're a huh. druid, tell your plant. Yeah, tell your tell your plant friends, and you can email us fun stuff at our email haynerdpodcast at gmail um, and you know, next Wednesday we're going to be back at it again with a very special episode, kicking off a special series of episodes. Uh, and I'll say, this is super obvious, but I'm going to say it anyways, next week we're traveling to a galaxy far, far away, so. Yeah, kind of like we ended in a great segue to our next episode. Yeah, is what right I'll up say in the that. stars, prepped and up, ready to go. 
Yeah, we're in the stars talking about space crimes and international tensions in space. Mm-hmm. So. And we also spent a lot of this episode talking about stuff that happened a long time ago. So, you know, mm-hmm. we're really, we're, this is a perfect segue into it. Big brain! Big brain. It's gonna be a much nerdier topic, as I'm sure you have guessed. Uh, so yeah, if you have a guess about it, email us at heynerdpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be recording by then, probably, but, you know. Yeah. Never hurts. Never hurts to try. All right. Mm-hmm. Three, two, two one. One. Binary. Binary. At, uh, we'll see. We'll see.